Welcome to The Pension Blueprint. I am your host, Jackie D'Souza. Achieving net zero greenhouse gases by 2050 is something that OMERS is committed to, and achieving that goal will see an interim carbon intensity reduction of 50% by 2030. I am joined by OMERS Chief Legal and Sustainability Officer, Michael Kelly, and Vice President of Sustainable Investing, Catherine Preston, to talk about how we will hit those targets. Welcome, Michael and Catherine, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you. Can you tell us first about what sustainable investing means, Michael? Sure. And, and this is a topic that certainly is on the minds of a, of a lot of people. And, um, you know, basically as a long-term pension plan, we are always focused on decades in the future. And so when we think about sustainable investing, we want to make sure that the companies that we're investing in are set up for success uh, against what we sometimes refer to as 21st century business risks and opportunities. So in addition to all the traditional financial analysis that we would do, uh, we apply another lens of what some people refer to as ESG or environmental social governance factors uh, on top of our traditional analysis. Uh, and these are issues, and Catherine will talk a bit about uh, what they mean, um, the particularities of them. Uh, that we do feel affect value and risk uh, and opportunity uh, in the companies that we invest in, uh, in an age where uh, a lot of these issues, including climate change, but not limited to that, uh, are at the top of mind of governments, uh, civil society, uh, consumers, uh, and employees. So basically, when we think about sustainable investing at OMERS, we want to make sure that the companies we're investing in are also thinking about a lot of these factors and how they impact the value and the risk and the opportunity inherent in their business. Well, thanks for that. And and Michael has already prompted that, Catherine. I did want to talk a little bit about uh, ESG and, and what that means. So can you explain what each of those terms mean? Absolutely. And the, the acronym ESG is one uh, many of our members will have heard a lot about. It's been in the press. We've been talking about it for a couple uh, of years now. But what it really is, is an umbrella term that encompasses a bunch of issues that generally fall under the categories of environmental, social, or governance challenges. And we think of things like under the S, human rights, labor rights. When we think of the G, we think of public company board composition, diversity of the board. And under E, we think of things like climate change and biodiversity. And really what that, that framework helps us do is to kind of capture what we think could be material under this umbrella as the investment teams are making their investment decisions. So we ask them to think about what things will actually impact the business I'm investing in. If I'm investing in public shares of a bank, those issues are very different than if I'm investing in, in an infrastructure like, like a port. And so as investment teams make these decisions, they incorporate these factors throughout the process, whether it's investing in a new investment or through the life cycle of the investment that they have in the portfolio. Okay. And you mentioned the, that, you know, ESG has to be material. What, what, do, what do you mean by that? Yeah, great question, Jackie. And I glossed over one of the most important factors, which is financially material to the company over time. What we really believe is that by incorporating these factors, those companies that manage these issues better will outperform over the long term. And that's for us as, as institutional investors, financially outperform, therefore helping us deliver on the pension promise to our members. Yeah, which is the most important for us because at the end of the day, we have to pay those pensions, as as you mentioned. So, so Michael, our mandate is to ensure we do everything we can to provide a secure source of retirement to our OMERS pensioners. How is sustainable investing compatible with that goal? Uh, well, we believe it, it's uh, very compatible. And, you know, when we when we first got into um, 
developing our sustainable investing program at Omers, we wanted to make sure that people understood that this wasn't uh, about uh, philanthropy or something not linked to, to financial returns. So, so that's something we spent a lot of time uh, educating, um, you know, our members and our employees about. But our thesis on this is is really that we believe that uh, companies that perform well on environmental, social, and governance metrics will perform better particularly over the long term. And so uh, if you think think of some of the things that Catherine mentioned, like uh, strong governance under the G, we, we believe that well-governed companies uh, will make better decisions and ultimately perform better. Uh, with respect to climate, we want to make sure that companies um, are thinking about uh, and integrating into their own strategies how climate change uh, will affect them. For some companies, it's obvious if you're in the energy business, how climate change will affect you is ob- obvious. For others, uh, it might be less obvious. There's both physical risks of climate change, but also transition risks. So there will be a big uh, shift with the energy transition uh, in supply chains, uh, in how uh, products are brought to market. There's all sorts of technical changes um, that are happening uh, over time to address this uh, common global problem. Uh, and so what we want to make sure that our investee companies are doing are thinking about all these issues, integrating them into their strategy, and that we as investors uh, are looking hard at how they think about these issues and how they affect their returns. But ultimately, we do make that link to how these factors affect prospects and financial returns because we are a fiduciary investor. We're investing other people's money uh, and we have to link it to that financial outcome. Yeah, which, which makes sense. And you mentioned the the energy industry. And I know that we have a, a, a huge investment portfolio. Energy is only one one piece of the the type of companies that, that we invest in. We also have real estate. We have you know the power companies. We have healthcare businesses and, and many, many more. So how do you take a consistent approach approach to addressing issues like climate change at such different types of companies. Yeah. And one thing we learned early on was uh, that a a one size approach for all asset classes uh, is not going to work. And I've been at Omers for uh, going on 17 years now. So although we have uh, a sustainable investing policy, which is available on our website that all asset classes will follow and adhere to, uh, we've given each of them a lot of flexibility in terms of the day-to-day procedures of how they do the actual ESG assessments uh, when they're making investments. So for example, a real estate development project or an infrastructure asset um, will be a, a different type of analysis than buying or selling a public stock or a public bond. Yeah, that, that's good to know. I mean, you talk about the different asset classes. Those are the types of different companies or investments that we make, correct? Yeah. For example, you know, we have a real estate asset class through Oxford, a private equity asset class, infrastructure. Uh, we have public equities, public debt, and and private credits. Uh, and although people think of us as, you know, one owners making these investments, each of those asset class has a very unique style in terms of how they make the investments. And so that's also reflected in how they do the assessment uh, for the sustainable investing program and the ESG analysis. So Michael, you mentioned earlier that you've been with Omers for 17 years. Can you tell us over that 17 year period, the type of work that you've done and uh, and how you've come into this current role? Uh, yeah, sure. So I started out here at Omers in the infrastructure group. Uh, it was called Borealis Infrastructure at the time, now Omers Infrastructure. So um, for eight years, I was uh, working on that team, working on infrastructure uh, transactions, uh, you know, primarily uh, using my, my legal skills in um, many acquisitions uh, around the world. Um, and about nine years ago, then I came over to, uh, to Omers, to the corporate area, to lead the legal function as a general counsel. 
Um, uh, and then about five years ago, uh, you could really see um, the attention towards ESG climate uh, ramping up quite a bit. Uh, and frankly, I'm very interested in the topic and uh, some of the issues that we've discussed today. And I just put my hand up and said, uh, does it make sense for me to kind of put together a, what we call the sustainable investing framework? So this is how we think about it generally, a set of policies at the board level, a set of procedures that we've talked about um, at the asset class level. And really, what is our position uh, at Omers generally about things like ESG integration, uh, climate change? Um, so I was given the opportunity to do that um, and I created uh, this policy framework, but also a sustainable investing committee, which brings together, um, you know, the various asset classes plus functional areas like risk, uh, finance, communications. Uh, and we meet regularly um, uh, to share best practices, try and um, really advance how we think about these issues. And part of developing this framework, one of the biggest things I had to do was hire someone to think about these issues full time. Uh, and so that's when uh, Catherine Preston um, was hired as our vice president of sustainable investing. So maybe you can give your perspective on that, Catherine. Yeah, I'm happy to. And uh, I joined Omers, although only four years ago, I've been in this space, I want to say for almost 20 years. So I started out as, a, as an engineer, I studied civil and environmental engineering. So with that E in environment, I've always had an interest and passion for the environment but my disposition is very practical. I got to make sure it fits within a practical context. So I uh, worked as an engineer and realized maybe my, you know, the focus on the environment wasn't quite where I was hoping it would be. And I, I did an MBA with a specialization sustainability. It was in the first few years that the program existed. So it was very unclear what careers there were. And it was, so it was indeed a leap of faith, but through that process, uh, got in the ESG space uh, and in the institutional investor space. At the same time, the, the industry was really growing. And so it's been exceptional career. And I would say over the last five years, it's just exploded. And so uh, it's been a lot of fun to be part of the transition and, and to be part of this conversation. That's a very uh, smart and prescient decision you made then to go in to do that MBA in, uh, in sustainable investing. I don't know that my parents agreed at the time. <laughs> Hopefully they agree now. Yes. <laughs> now, Catherine, we recently made a net zero commitment in our portfolio. So what is that and, and why is it important? Yeah, what it really means is, is Omer's board uh, made the commitment to net zero 2050. And what that really means is we're aligning Omer's and our strategy to the commitment that more than 200 countries have made of, as part of the Paris Climate Agreement. So we want to be aligned with the direction the world is going and we want to hold ourselves accountable to that uh, direction because we recognize uh, that avoiding the most disastrous impacts of climate change is going to impact all of us. Uh, when we see changing weather patterns, we see changing agricultural growing seasons, increased severity of flooding and storms. So all of these things impact, as Michael described, the different asset classes and types of investment we, we make, whether it's building or infrastructure assets. So in addition to those commitments, we want to hold ourselves accountable sooner than 27 years down the line. And we've set interim reduction goals for the portfolio through 2025 and 2030. Uh, we announced this year that we did surpass our 2025 goal of a 20% reduction uh, of carbon footprint. And, and I'll talk a little bit more about what, what that actually is. And then I've set the line in the sand that I think you opened with, with, with Jackie that we're uh, aiming to reduce 50% by 2030. So how do we actually measure this? We call it a portfolio carbon footprint. 
Uh, we have a very large diversified portfolio, more than 2,000 in Yomer's portfolio. And what a carbon footprint is, is adding up the greenhouse gas emissions of all the entities that we invest in so we can figure out how much we're contributing to the financed emissions of those companies. And so we add that up on an annual basis, reported as part of our annual reporting, and we can report the performance against that on an annual basis in, in the downward direction over time. Okay. And you mentioned the, the the Paris Agreement. And I think, you know, when I think about those types of agreements, I always think that it's governments who have to adhere to those agreements. We don't think about, you know, private companies or pension plans having to also, you know, abide by those agreements. So can you speak a little bit about that? Sure. And it's really the scope of climate change is so vast, governments alone aren't going to be able to solve the problem, right? We all have a role to play, whether that's the financial community, whether that's the citizens, local communities, governments and businesses are all working together to really grapple with this huge challenge. Michael, in your view, what are some of the biggest challenges the world faces in addressing climate change? Well, first of all, it is an extremely complicated uh, issue. It's a classic tragedy of the commons uh, economic scenario where we have a global shared resource and the costs of individuals, whether that's companies or countries, uh, to make changes can sometimes outweigh at an individual level the benefits that they might uh, see. So um, it requires a lot of concerted and global cooperation. So Catherine earlier mentioned the Paris Agreement. That's an agreement where approximately 180 countries signed on to uh, making changes in their own countries uh, to address uh, net zero commitments and and reducing their emissions, but how that then um, manifests itself in day to day action by those countries and uh, companies can be very complicated. Some countries may choose um, tools such as carbon pricing to make carbon more expensive to emit. Other countries may choose. Uh, things like incentives. For example, in the United States, they've offered a lot of incentives for um, electric vehicle manufacturing, as an example, Canada Canada as well. So this is not a cost-free solution uh, to climate change. It is going to be expensive. Essentially, we're trying to make changes to an energy system that's been in place for over 150 years. And so you can't just flip a switch and do that overnight. That, that's not reasonable. A lot of people uh, talk about the energy trilemma, which uh, really talks about uh, security of energy supply, affordability, and also clean energy, right? So it's a three-legged stool. Uh, and if you focus entirely on one leg of the stool, you're going to have issues on others. Uh, so we're seeing a lot of developments in things like wind and solar and the cost is coming down. But at the beginning, um, you know, these, these solutions might not have been as affordable for people who are trying to heat their homes. And these challenges for Canada are particularly complicated because we are a natural resource-based economy. Uh, and a large part of our economy does rely on traditional energy systems. So it makes these issues even more acute in Canada, I would say. Well, thanks for that. Trilemma is a new word that I've, I've learned today. Um, so as you said, these are complex, complicated issues and they're different for, for different countries. So what gives you the most optimism for the future? Well, for example, I was at uh, COP27 in Egypt last fall and um, you do see a lot of uh, technological advancements that are um, uh, gaining momentum. Some of these things will take a little bit more time to to really become commercialized, but you, but things like uh, different kinds of shipping fuels or sustainable aviation fuels, uh, as an example, green hydrogen. So, um, you know, I take some encouragement from the fact that 
while it is a global problem, there are many, many, many people around the world, many smart people working on solutions. And some of them may take time. So we might see really step changes uh, in in this issue over time as new technological innovations come on stream. So um, the other thing I would say is that this is this is an issue that's near and dear to the heart, um, particularly of millennials and, and Gen Z. And so um, and people can vote with their consumer behavior and their dollars. And I think what you're finding, and this is part of the ESG uh, evolution, is that in particular, uh, younger consumers, the places they want to work at, the products they want to buy, they want to understand what the companies that they're uh, interacting with, how they view or what the, what their position is on some of these issues. Well, that's good. You mentioned the COP27 conference. Can you explain for, for our members what that is? Right. That's called the Conference of the Parties, and it's a UN-based um, conference that's held every year. Uh, that would have been the 27th year uh, to really address um, sustainability and climate change issues. So uh, the 26th version of that was held in Glasgow, UK, which is really where a lot of the impetus for net zero commitments uh, really took hold. Uh, And so every year countries, uh, many, many, many countries get together at these large conferences to really try and understand what each other are doing and trying to advance activity under uh, each country's climate commitments, for example. It's great to know that uh, OMERS is a is a part of that. So, so Catherine, I'd like to ask you the same question. What what gives you optimism for the for the future? in this area? Well, I would say it is the next generations. I think as a parent of young children, I'm learning about how they think. They just think differently about how their expectations are about how we live. You know, the fact that we don't drive an electric car is a problem, but the way they think about how they get around, how they're going to live, things they're going to buy, how they're going to eat is very much front and center of their minds. And so learning from them, learning from the younger people joining our organization and their expectations, as well as our members. We're hearing from our members about what's important to them and where they want their pension dollars invested and not invested. And it's a really important part of the conversation. No, that, that's really great. Um, so, so Catherine, how can members who are interested in, in ESG and climate change and some of these areas that, that affect their pension plan and are affecting the world, how can they learn more about them? Yeah, so on the OMER side, we report what we're doing on sustainable investing. So broad ESG in our annual report, there's a special section dedicated to climate and climate-related reporting in the annual report as well. We're also on the website, we have publicly available policies, lots of descriptions about what we're doing, examples of portfolio companies and the efforts they're making. So that I would say the website is the second source of, of information. We're also trying to increase our communication generally through the member newsletter, uh, through regular social media posts, just to make sure the members who are interested are, are able to get that information easily. Right. That's great. And uh, for our members, they can find uh, our annual report on omers.com, the section of the website that Catherine was talking about. Go to omers.com and you'll see what you need. So so I'm interested in, in your team, Catherine and Michael. Michael, I know you're a lawyer and you're also in charge of the the legal team for OMERS. And Catherine, you have an engineering background. So what is the background of the people um, you work with on your team? Because I think there's quite a bit of uh, diversity there. And what type of experience or education do people need to have to work in this area? Well, I always love this question. Um, and it's, uh, I don't want to say it's a, it, this is a new field, but it is, it certainly is a, is a growing and, and emerging field. Um, so back when I was going to university, there weren't specific courses on sustainability, for example, where I see a lot of them now when I go to talk to uh, students uh, in universities. But, um, you know, f- for our team in particular, we have a range of uh, educational backgrounds. So we have engineers, uh, people with MBAs or undergraduates in, in finance, uh, p- uh, political science, uh, legal 
uh, international rela- relations. One of our members uh, has an undergraduate degree in agriculture, for example. So, um, and then various professional designations. We have uh, one who's an accountant. We have uh, certif- certified financial analysts. Uh, and myself as a lawyer. So I think that gives you an idea of uh, the multiplicity of issues um, that arise uh, when you're in this space. No, that, that's good to know for the people out there who are interested in, in this area. And Catherine, I know your team has grown a little bit in the in the last little while. I've only been at Omer's for two and a half years. But even then, there's been so much more focus on this area. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, we, we've definitely grown the team. But I would also say beyond our team, we have champions of ESG throughout the organization. So We're a small team of five, a very mighty team, but we're also really supported by the ESG experts within the business units. And that's across all the investment teams, the asset classes that Michael mentioned. But it's also finance, it's risk, it's HR, it's it's a large part of the talent acquisition strategy. People want to a work for a pension where there's a purpose tied to the work we do, but that goes hand in hand with how we think about ESG uh, issues. And so I would say there's a much broader reach beyond our team across the organization. People are interested in it. They're passionate about it. Some people will go above and beyond their regular day job to participate in this conversation. And so it's much broader than just a sustainable investing team. Yeah. And that's really good. So it's not just some separate team sitting off somewhere else. It becomes embedded into all of the the business areas as as well. Yeah. that's. I mean, that's where we're trying to get to, too, that um, it's really... Uh, at some point, investing as normal. You don't. You won't need to call it sustainable investing or sustainable finance. Um, it will, and I think we're we're really coming to the, to that to that area. And so, you know, our our approach at Omer is, although you know, Catherine and I lead a a, a mighty team, as she said, of five, uh, sort of in the center. It does it does rely on each of the investing professionals. Uh, each one of them is really responsible at the end of the day for how we integrate E and S and G. Catherine and I aren't there on the day-to-day basis looking at the assets traveling to the to the sites, for example, um, but we're embedding these skills and this knowledge uh, and these approaches uh, with all of our investment teams. And ultimately, it's their responsibility, their accountability, and we've got great feedback from them. It's not something you have to hard sell. People understand why these things are important to, to consider alongside their traditional financial metrics. Right. And it's certainly important for our members as well. We've heard, we heard it at our annual meeting and we hear it when we're on the road actually presenting to members as well. They, they have questions about uh, ESG and sustainable investing and, and the type of investments that, that OMERS is making. I hope we've explained everything well for our, our members today because this is really a, a, a fascinating area. So thank you for, for joining us today, Michael and, and Catherine. Thank you very much for having us. Yeah, thank you. Be sure to go to omers.com for more information and sign into my omers to access your account. I am Jackie D'Souza and this has been the Pension Blueprint. 